That's where our hope is found, is in that single act. Everything in human history led up to that moment. Everything since then has flowed out of that. The cross offers us salvation, and I hope that you have experienced that salvation, and I hope if you've experienced that salvation that you are excited about it still, excited about what Jesus has done for you. Amen. This morning we have a couple of gentlemen who need special prayer. Um, one is going to come on behalf of uh, a fellow that used to be a pastor in this area named Jeremiah Keesling. Um, uh, Josh Keesling, I'm sorry, Jeremiah is his middle name. Uh, Josh's family was in a wreck uh, a couple of weeks ago, and most of his family is doing fine, but his dad uh, caught the worst part of it. And they've actually called the family to come into Indiana. They don't expect him to make it. And so let's pray over this, over this family. Um, thankful for God's protection on certain family members, but, but heartbroken for this uh, one family member. And also, uh, one of our security team, one of our faithful members here, Chris Allman, is going to have surgery, uh, a pretty extensive surgery this week. And so he wants to be prayed over as well that God's hand would protect him. And so uh, these gentlemen are going to come, and if you are willing today, if you would like to, if you want to just come down and show support by praying over them, uh, that would be a wonderful thing, an appropriate thing at this time to come and pray over these two gentlemen. You know, folks, we never know, we never know when our last day on earth will be. We never know when this life will end and we'll step into eternity. You can just be driving along with your family and all of a sudden something happens in your own eternity's doorstep. And so we always have to be ready. We always have to be prepared. We always have to keep our relationship with Jesus up to date. And so I want to encourage you, um, even as we pray over this family, even, over, even as we pray over this member of our church family that we love so much, I would just encourage you, today can be the day of salvation. Today can be a day, if you don't know Jesus and you're here today, today could be your day. It could be the day where God changes your life and your eternity. So I would just encourage you, be open to what the Lord has to say to us this morning. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for your presence here today. We thank you for your power. We thank you that the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but for those of us who have accepted that work, it's eternal life. And so, God, today we exalt you. We lift up the cross. We lift up the name of no man or no organization outside of the name of Jesus Christ. Father, we're thankful that you love us. Even on the darkest day that we spend on this planet, God, you love us. Even when we can't see it, you're good. And Lord, we come to you on behalf this morning. We're thankful for these men who are here and they believe in the power of prayer. What a testimony, God. We're thankful for men who believe in the power of prayer. That they are leading their families to believe that there is something special about prayer. That there's a power in prayer. That it's not our last resort, but it's the first thing that we should turn to. And so, God, as we pray for the Keesling family, as we pray as one member of their family 
it appears, at least from our vantage point, that he may enter into eternity very soon. And God, we know if that's not your will, Lord, you can change that around in a heartbeat in an instant. We have that much faith in your healing power. But God, we know because of this sin-broken world, because of, of the fall of man, that, that unless Jesus returns, that none of us are getting out of here alive. And so help us to be cognizant of that today. Help us to realize that today. And so, God, we come on behalf of this family, one who ministered in this community, one who ministered to folks who are here in this room today, God. And so we, we pray for Josh. We pray for his family. We pray for um, the extended family and friends, the community, God. We just pray that you would be there and you would move and you would minister even now, God. Lord, out of this situation, may your name get glory. It's all about your name. It's all about who you are. And so we pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, God, we ask that you would move in a mighty way. Move in a mighty way, God, and we're going to give you praise for that. And Father, we are so thankful for Chris, who has been a member of our church family for several years here, and we thank you for his service. We thank you for his heart for people. Lord, he's one of our quiet leaders in this church. And God, we're thankful for his leadership in this church family and also in his family. And God, he, he faces a medical procedure this week that would intimidate anybody. And God, no doubt the enemy is using this as an occasion to bring fear and doubt. But God, we rebuke all of that. And we say there is going to be nothing but peace and faith that rules in his heart and in his family's heart. We pray for Holly. We pray for the kids. We pray for the extended family, God. We pray that you will be there and you will be superintending this, God. You will be overseeing what happens with these doctors. And God, we believe in your power so much, we believe that he could show up for the surgery and they find out he doesn't need it. Lord, if that's your will, you can do that. Even right now, you can do that. And we believe that, Father, and we're thankful that we serve that powerful of a God. But, Father, if that's not the way that you choose to heal, if you choose to heal through the medical community, God, we, we thank you for that as well. We know all healing. And so, God, this morning, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, we declare there's going to be protection. We declare there's going to be healing. We declare there's going to be a newness of health that comes out of this procedure, God. We declare that Chris is going to feel better and not worse after this is over. We thank you, God, that you are going before and you're going to minimize any effects, any pain that might come from this, God. You're going to be in the midst of everything in such a clear way that we're going to be able to give you the glory and no one's going to doubt what you have done. And now, God, we lift this service up to you. We come in here for just a short time today just to hear from you. And God, I pray that any distractions that might be in our minds, in our hearts, in our lives could be pushed out for this time. And we could hear clearly from you. We could hear clearly from who you are. Speak to us, God. If you don't speak today, there's nothing of any worth going to be declared here. We need a word from you. We need to be conformed more into the image of Jesus Christ. We need to let the Holy Spirit reign within us. Holiness unto the Lord, that needs to be our watchword and song. 
We are not content to live meager spiritual lives before you, God. We, we want to experience the freedom that we sang about. Not a freedom to license, not a freedom to sin, a freedom to love you so much that we love the good and we love the right and we have a desire to be set apart. And God, at the end, it's, it's all going to be your work. It is your work and we're going to declare that it's your work. It's not our own righteousness. It's nothing we have done except just surrender to you and surrender to what you're doing. And so, God, we surrender to you today. We surrender to the move of the Spirit. We surrender to your power in this place. We love you. We thank you for Jesus. We pray in his name because he's the one that loved us enough to give himself for us. And it's in the name of Jesus we declare these things. It's in the name of Jesus we ask these things. It's in the name of Jesus that we believe we're going to receive the goodness that you have in store for us. And so, Rushwood, all of us together, we say this morning, amen. Amen. We love you. We praise you, God. Thank you for praying with us this morning. Aren't you guys glad that we have a God who understands? Aren't you glad that we have a God who, through Jesus Christ, experienced what it means to be human and was tempted and was tried, went through a full human experience? I was teaching a group this week, and, and we were talking about the debate that raged in the early church about was Jesus fully God or was Jesus fully man? And the answer came forth, yes. He was fully God and he was fully man at the same time. He was God in the flesh and so he could save us, but he was fully human so he could understand us. And so I praise God that he's like that. I praise God that that's who he is this morning. Um, I do want to mention, it's been mentioned already, and I don't, I don't want to dwell on this, and I've mentioned it to you, but pray for me and pray for my family. I do leave out Wednesday morning. We'll leave out of Ashburn about 4 a.m., Lord willing, and everything goes according to plan, we'll arrive in Israel about 6.30. So we leave, we're going to fly out at 6 o'clock, and we're going to arrive at 6.30. It's going to be a real quick trip, but not really. Um, and so uh, somewhere around an 11, 12-hour flight, somewhere in there. And uh, I'm just, I've asked God that he show me things while I'm there, not just sights, not just artifacts and that sort of thing. I've I've asked God that he would speak to me spiritually and show me things that I need to know. I am, I am blessed to be able to go on this trip. Uh, it is mostly paid for, and so that's a great blessing. I would not be able to afford to do this otherwise. And we will be going with the Lieutenant Governor of North Carolina. And so part of this is so that he might be able to connect with pastors in North Carolina and understand our hearts and, and what we believe is important. And so I would pray, ask you to pray that, that that's what would happen, that we would be able to connect with, with him in that way. And I'm going to be going with 39 other pastors. There's going to be 40 pastors on this trip, several from this immediate area. I have been saying for years, I guess nine years now, that I believe God wants to bring a revival to Ashboro. And so maybe this is a spark. Maybe this is part of that. Um, I, I would pray that those of us who are on the trip from this area, and we've got... Church of God minister, and we've got a Baptist minister, and we've got me, I'm a Wesleyan minister, but you know what, we're all Christians, we're all part of the same family, 
And so uh, I believe God wants to do something in his church. So just pray for safe travels for us. Pray that God would speak to us. And uh, I just want to give God praise for this blessing. This is a true blessing that uh, I've had this opportunity or I'm going to have this opportunity to experience this. Now, I won't be here next Sunday. A lot of times I don't tell you that because, you know, in the South, if the pastor isn't there, that's the day to take the Sunday off. But don't do that next week uh, because we're going to continue our overcoming series. And Pastor Jason is going to be bringing you the word, and he's going to be talking about depression and how to overcome depression. And I, I, I don't know that I've ever really fully understood that. My wife deals with anxiety and depression and has for most of her life. And even after we got married, I did not fully understand what she was going through with that until I experienced almost two solid years of depression just a couple of years ago. And so I understand how tough that can be, how real that is, uh, what a, a thing that is to overcome. And Pastor Jason is going to talk to you about that. He's promised me he's not going to talk bad about American Idol this time. And so uh, if anybody was offended... He probably doesn't care, and I probably don't either. But anyway, um, he's not going to bash that. But it's going to be a great sermon. So come and support Pastor Jason. By the way, it's Pastor Appreciation Month. And, and I know during Pastor Appreciation Month, the lead pastor uh, gets most of the accolades and appreciation and all of that. But aren't you thankful for Pastor Jason and our other pastoral staff here? Could you show your appreciation to them? It's great to know that when I have to be absent, I have folks that can fill in, and I don't feel like there's going to be this huge drop-off or anything. I feel like there's going to be a good job done in communicating whatever needs to be communicated to you, and they will keep things running smoothly while I'm gone. And so I'm just thankful for those who, some are paid staff, some are volunteer staff, but I'm just thankful for those who volunteer in different areas and work in different areas around here. A lot of work goes in behind the scenes to make this place run, well, not always smoothly, but as smoothly as we can possibly make it run. And so uh, I'm just so thankful for those that God has blessed me to be able to work with over the years here. So come next week. And then the following week, I already, I think Pastor Jason already mentioned, our series will be called Ask Anything, almost. Uh, ask things about the Bible ask things about spiritual life, ask things about church, not necessarily why do you do this in this church. We probably aren't going to be answering those questions. But any of the big questions that you might have on your heart, on your mind, we'd love for you to submit those. And over a three-week period, we're going to be tackling just trying to answer those questions. In fact, I said hey, we'll do this for fun. The first week I'm back from Israel, I'm not going to know what questions are are, that we're going to tackle that day. Pastor Jason is just going to present those to me, and I'm just going to answer them off the cuff. So come. That may either be a train wreck or it may be really good. We'll see how that all works out. But we want to answer your questions. We all have questions about spiritual life, about God, about the Bible, and other things. And so I believe that's going to be a great series um, that will, will happen in November. So go ahead and please submit your questions on that. You can put them in the giving box, and uh, we will process those. Again, we won't be able to answer everything, but hopefully we'll answer a lot of those questions. Well, in this series, this series called Overcoming, we have a theme verse. We have a verse that we're sort of orienting this series around. And the verse is John chapter 16 and verse 33. I'm reading this from the NIV version. It says, I have told you these things. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. 
I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. But in this world, you will have trouble. Anybody experience any trouble this week? Anybody experience some things that weren't easy to go through? Jesus said it would happen, so we know that it's going to happen. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Aren't you glad that there's nothing that you face that's bigger than Jesus? Aren't you glad there's nothing that you can face that he hasn't already overcome? In the book of Ephesians, it talks about how everything has been put under the feet of Jesus. And then by, by, by extension, because we're part of the body of Christ, that means everything's been put under our feet as well. Not through our work, but through his work. And so our premise for this series is we can overcome anything because Jesus overcame everything. That was so good, I'm going to read it again. We can overcome anything because Jesus overcame everything. Amen. We have a Lord who has overcome all of it. He's overcome this world. But let's be honest, though. Can we be honest for just a second? Can we get real with each other for just a minute? And by the way, this is going to be a real sermon. I've got some things in my notes. It's kind of, once in a while, I'll put things in my notes, and I'm like, I'm not sure when I get there if I'm going to say that or not. I'm just going to have to go by the leading of the Spirit. And so we'll just see if I go there. The Lord may say, hold back, or he may say, go forward on that. But if I go forward on everything that's in my notes, this is going to be a really real sermon. Okay, And I, I would encourage you, if you have small kids for this sermon, we, like I said, we may not even go there. But it may be a great time to use Rushwood Kids because we're going to tackle some adult topics today, at least, at least briefly. So I just want to give you that warning. Rushwood Kids might be a great place for your kids today because we, we may go there. We'll just have to see. But it doesn't always feel, yeah, we know that Jesus has overcome this world, but it doesn't always feel like we can overcome everything, anything because he overcame everything. It doesn't always feel like that. It feels like sometimes there are things in our life that are just too big for us and there's no way that we can handle them. It doesn't always feel like that truth is true, that we can overcome anything because Jesus overcame everything. Sometimes it feels like there are things that can get their hooks in us so deep that Jesus just can't help us. It's too deep. It's too much. It's just it's, it's impossible, especially if you're someone who has an addiction we're going to be talking about addiction today. Addiction is a timely topic. I don't know how much you know about what's going on in our city and in our county, but drug addiction is just running rampant. It's everywhere. You hear about it daily. You hear about more and more problems going on because people are hooked on these substances. But that's not the only addiction I want to talk to you about today. There's a lot more addictions out there than just a drug addiction. There's a lot of things that we can get addicted to and things that feel like we cannot overcome even with the help of Jesus. I, 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 thought, I didn't really think about this until I was preparing this sermon, but I think it's true. I think at least on some level this statement that I'm about to make is true. We're all addicts in one way or another. To one degree or another, we're all addicted to something. And the reason I say that is because we're all born addicted to sin. 
Each and every one of us was born in sin. Each and every one of us was born imperfect. Each and every one of us was born with a bent to do wrong. Not to go the way that Jesus would call us to go. Not the way to take the path that God would have us to walk. But to go our own way. To do our own thing. So I believe we're all born addicted to sin. I believe we're all addicted in one degree or another. So in me, that may come out in a food addiction. I grew up in, you know, I grew up in a church where, look, you did not smoke, you did not chew tobacco, you did not drink, you, you didn't dance, you didn't do a lot of different things. I grew up in a very strict way. The one thing you could do and get by with was overeat because the pastor was fat too and he wasn't going to preach on gluttony. He wasn't, wasn't going to preach on these things. So that's the one thing that you could maybe get by with. And by the way, food is good, y'all. I've always said I like food better than a lot of people do. If you're skinny, I like food better than you. I'm just saying that's how it is. I got so wound up, I messed my screen up here. Let me get back. Might come out in a food addiction. Somebody else, it might be a social media addiction. Ten years ago, I probably didn't have to talk about that. But if you're, if you're a social media addict, you know. You've got to get on there and you've got to clear off all those little red marks, you know, make sure you've taken care of every comment and all that. Social media can be a real addiction. People don't get done what they need to get done in life because they're on this virtual life of social media. Some people, it might be an addiction to rage. Rage is an addiction, is an addiction in our culture anymore. People get fueled on being angry. We talked about anger last week, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time there. But they get fueled on being angry and outraged about everything. Can you believe the stuff people are outraged about anymore? It's like you can't say or do or think anything without offending somebody. I'm so offended. You know, they have this attitude. I'm so offended. I can't believe you would say that. It's stuff that people have been saying for thousands of years, but all of a sudden, oh, you can't do that. That's not woke. That's not PC. That's not whatever else. Rage addiction. In someone else, it might be alcohol. I heard a local pastor preach a few weeks ago on this same topic, and he said, in the church, at least in some churches, that is a socially acceptable addiction, is to be an alcohol addict. You drink too much. You're addicted to that. And we could, I'm not going to spend a whole sermon on that, but a lot of times. And by the way, if you're going out, the Bible just says, I will say this much, the Bible tells us not to get drunk. It doesn't qualify that. It doesn't water that down. And I know pun intended. It doesn't do any of that. It just it says don't get drunk. So if you're going out there and you're getting drunk, you're, you're getting bombed out of your mind on alcohol, and then you're coming into church on Sunday morning, and you're killing your witness. You're killing your witness. And no matter where we come down on that issue, we should all agree because the Bible makes it really clear. Don't be drunk. Don't be drunk. But we have people who are addicted to alcohol. Someone else, it might be a sex addiction. I think that's getting worse and worse. I think online stuff is fueling that. Okay, I think sex addictions are a thing. And a lot of times that's a secret thing. That's a thing that's not out there in the open. This is the part I didn't know if I was going to say or not. But I think I'm going to go ahead and say it. So I'm going to say a word here that you're going to probably gasp. Because you may have never heard this in church before, but I think these things go together. And the church just doesn't talk about this, what I'm about to mention, because it's such a taboo subject, okay? But if we don't talk about it, then the only voice out there is the voice of the world. And when the voice of the world is the only voice out there, then th that voice wins. So I'm going to tie two things together that often go together. And like I said, you're going to say, I can't believe this was said in church, but I think I'm going there. 
And another person, it might be a porn and masturbation addiction. You can't believe I said that, but the New Testament actually talks about possessing your body in honor. And many theologians think that's actually what it's talking about. I'm not going to spend too much time there because your mind's already blown that I said that. But a lot of times those things fuel each other and cause problems within people. It's an addiction. In someone else, it might be a codependent relationship. You ever know anybody that just has to have somebody else? They just have to have somebody else. They can't be outside of a relationship. They have to have that. And so it's not that there's really a genuine love there. It's that people have to have other people, and they are dependent upon each other in a really negative way. In far too many people today, it might be pot or cocaine or heroin or meth. We all have something that we can get strung on because if we're not careful, we're all addicts. We're all born into sin. We're all born into sin. We all are born needing the grace of God. The Apostle Paul even describes it in Romans chapter 7, verses 14 through 19. I'm reading through them from the New Living Translation here. He describes the mind of one addicted to sin. He says, So the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. Some people say, God has too many rules. God has too many rules. I can't be a Christian because there's just too many rules. Really, the problem is not with God and his rules. The problem is with us. The scripture goes on and says, The trouble is with me, for I am all too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Isn't that the very definition of an addict? I want to do what is right, but I just can't make myself. I want to do what is right, but I keep choosing the wrong. It goes on to say, instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I am doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I am not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. That's the mind of an addict. You know what's right, but you can't get there. You know what you shouldn't do, but you can't stay away from it. That's an addiction. It's got you. Its hooks are in you. No matter what you really want to do, you just can't get past that addiction. You can't get past the power of that sin. And look, this morning, if you're an addict, I'm not going to waste your time and mine telling you how bad addiction is. If you're an addict, if you've ever been addicted to anything, you know how bad it is. You participate in it, and it feels good when you participate. Whatever your addiction is, it feels good while you're participating. And the moment it's over, Satan turns around and says, uh-huh, you messed up again. You messed up again, and he starts to bring guilt in. And so not only have you done the thing that's destructive, destructive, but now all of a sudden you have guilt because you've done the thing that's destructive. You don't want to serve God the way God is calling you to serve him because you're always feeling guilty. You're always feeling unworthy because of this addiction. Does that summarize it? Does that sum it up pretty good? That's what addiction does to us. So if you're, you've been addicted or if you are addicted, you know you're living it. But I still believe, after saying all that, I still believe the premise of this series is right. We can overcome anything because Jesus overcame everything. 
I still believe that. I still believe there's not an addiction that you have that you cannot overcome with the help of Jesus Christ. I believe you can overcome anything, not in your own strength, but in his own strength. But y'all, it's not just going to just magically happen. There are some things the Bible teaches us that you need to do to make overcoming addiction a reality. So I'm going to call them this morning the three C's of overcoming addiction. Three C's of overcoming addiction. Let me give them to you one at a time. To overcome addiction, number one, you need confession. To overcome addiction, you need confession. And don't think I'm going to set up in some sort of booth and you're going to come there and you're going to tell me what you have done wrong and I'm going to absolve you and I'm going to make you say a chant or hail Mary. That's not where I'm going with this. That's not what I'm talking about with confession. But you have to understand this. We're, we're in October now. We're in Halloween-type season, right? Sin is like a proverbial vampire. When sin is in the dark, it's strong. When nobody knows about it, it's strong. It has power. In the dark, it will drain your strength. It will drain your power. It will drain your holiness. It will drain everything good out of you if you leave sin in the dark. In the dark, if you don't, let, if you don't check sin and you leave it in the dark, it will eventually kill you. Don't take my word for it. That's what the Bible says. When sin has worked everything that it wants to work, then it brings death. Sin is like a vampire. In the dark, it will eventually kill you. But what you have to do with sin is you have to grab a hold of it by the collar and you have to drag that thing out into the light and throw it down and say, there it is. You have to point to it. You have to call it what it is. Not to me because I'm not a priest. I'm not a priest. But you have to admit it to yourself. You have to admit it to God. You might have to admit it to somebody else that you're close to that you trust. Sin can't handle the light. It'll lose its strength. It will lose its grip. It will eventually burn up and disappear, and it'll be gone if it's put into the light, if it's admitted to. That's why James, the brother of Jesus, the half-brother of Jesus, said, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. If you've got an addiction, and look, I'm going, to be, I'm going to be honest with you. You need to be careful. If you go around and you just confess everything to everybody, that's not a good plan. In fact, I think one of the reasons in the church we don't have a spirit of confession is because we have too many people who are willing to take that confession and turn it into gossip. Let's be real. We don't want to go to each other because we can't trust each other because there's too much of this stuff going on. By the way, Romans 1, we condemn all these sins. Look at the list of sins that are worthy of death in Romans 1 and see if gossip isn't in the middle of it, okay? So we're scared to confess. We're afraid to confess because we're afraid that somebody will run and tell. And I get it, y'all. I get it. I understand it. But it may be that you have to find somebody that you trust and talk to them about it. Drag that thing out into the light and say, there it is, it's sin. I have to get it out of the dark. I have to get it in the dark. It has too much power. In the light, it has no power, and i got to drag it out into the light so we can handle this thing together. There's power in confession. By the way, talking about the gossip and everything, I have this in my notes, and it's worth sharing to you. It seems like the army of Jesus is the only army that shoots its wounded. And we got to do better than that. 
we got to do better than that. I know it's hard to deal with somebody who's wounded. I know it's hard to deal with somebody who has an addiction or whatever else. But we got to do better than just casting them away, guys. we got to do better than that. We have to become the type of people that those who are struggling can come to and they can trust us. Because confession should bring healing from the holy, not hate from the haughty. Now that's not excusing sin. Don't go out and say, Brent was talking about if somebody's in sin, you just, whatever. No, no, no. Sin is sin. It's wrong. But we've all fallen short of the glory of God and we've got to learn to love each other better and we've got to learn to help each other and we've got to learn to heal each other. That's what Jesus got. We've been given the ministry of reconciliation. We've got to be better at that. But there is power in confession, y'all. There is power in admitting that you're struggling, that you need help. There's accountability that can be brought to bear once we confess things. So the first C of overcoming addiction is confession. We've got to learn to confess, and we've also got to learn to receive that in the right way. Number two, to overcome addiction, you need community. To overcome addiction, you need community. It's tied directly into number one. If you're addicted, you are probably not. In fact, let me, re, let me say this more clearly than that. If you're addicted, you're not going to be able to overcome it by yourself. 99 times out of 100, you're not going to be able to overcome it by yourself, and you're not the one that's the exception to the rule, and neither am I. Not going to be able to overcome it by yourself, but here's the good thing you were never meant to. You were never supposed to have to overcome it by yourself. You're supposed to have a family, the body of Christ, that loves you and will come alongside of you. How do I know that? Well, Paul wrote this in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 2. He said, share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. Bear each other's burdens. If something is too heavy for my brother or sister to carry, I'm supposed to come alongside and say, put some of that weight on me. And I'll help you walk it out. I'll help you get past it. I'll help you to overcome it. Share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. In other words, look at the folks sitting around you today. Look at our congregation this morning. Just look around. Look around at some of the other folks that are here. The people who are sitting around you today, if they are Christians, they are supposed to help you. They're supposed to love you. Now, that doesn't preclude them telling you the truth. That doesn't preclude me sometimes saying to you, that was stupid, you shouldn't have done that. Don't do that again. But if you'll repent and accept God's grace, he'll clean you up and he'll let you move on. Don't continue in your sin. Move on. Go the right direction, and I'll be there to help you. We're not supposed to enable each other. You have to be very careful of that. You have to be very careful that in loving people, you're not enabling them. The person who com continues to provide money to the drug addict enables them. When they know they're going to take that money and they're going to go down and they're going to buy some more drugs and they're going to get another high, if you keep giving them money, you're en enabling them in that. Don't do that. That's not what I'm talking about this morning. Don't enable people, but help to lighten their load so that they can get rid of their burdens. That's the purpose is to get rid of the burden, not to help them carry it forever and ever, but so they can get it to a place where they can get rid of it. That's why groups like Celebrate Recovery, anybody heard of Celebrate Recovery? Okay, become a very popular group to help people overcome addictions. That's why they're very important, because you have to be surrounded by community. You need community around you, you need other people around you to get past these things. 
Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and verse 12 says, A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. You're not supposed to do the thing of Christianity by yourself. That's why around here our Wednesday nights are important. I love when you guys come in and worship on Sunday morning, and I understand not everybody's schedule will allow it. I get that. I love when you guys come in here and worship, but we have Wednesday night things set up that will help you get to know other people and connect with other people and have other people pray for you. That's why it's important not to just be here on Sunday morning, but also to be here in the middle of the week when we do things where we connect people and create community. You need confession and you need community to overcome addiction. And there's one thing I think that's even greater, even greater than those two things, more than confession, more than community. The third C of overcoming addiction is you need the cross of Jesus Christ. You need the cross of Jesus Christ. Michael W. Smith is one of the greatest Christian musicians ever. In fact, we were on a short trip over the weekend, and I was listening to some of his music. I've listened to his music for a long time. One of the greatest Christian musicians ever. He has sold over 18 million albums. That's a lot for a Christian musician. He's toured the world in concert. He sang at the funeral of President George H.W. Bush not that long ago. But at one point in his life, just like a lot of us, Michael W. Smith was just another addict. He has a great story. He has a great testimony. I want us to watch that together. How can the cross help us to overcome our addictions? Grew up playing drums. Wrote my first song when I was five years old. Was able to hear a pop song and be able to play it. And I uh, was in the choir in a little Baptist church, and my heart was really after the Lord. All I wanted to do was just pick up a guitar and sing praise songs. God had a call in my life, uh, and music was supposed to be a part of that. For some reason, it was contagious to me. It was just it made me light up. It was a beautiful time of my life. It sort of anchored me. I felt like I was riding a wave that really was something very, very pure and it really penetrated into my heart. This is just what I'm supposed to do with my life. Well, when I got to 17, all my older friends went off to college and I moved to Nashville, Tennessee to be a songwriter. I was playing in after hours bars from 1.30 to 5.30, just in a bunch of trouble begin to be enticed that maybe you could play with a fire, you won't get burned. Little did I know that um, I would be in the biggest pit of my life and feeling like there was no way of escape. Smoking that first joint and feeling so guilty about it. From there it went to, you know, it was cocaine, it was LSD. And I'm just in the thick of it, man. I'm just doing this stuff. And I'm, I'm, I got sucked into this thing. For some reason, I justified it. You lose perspective. It's almost like your, your compass sort of just like disappears and you enter this whole other world and you don't really realize it's going down and then all of a sudden it's too late. You know, I'd flashback to those times when I was 15 going just really, 
hearing the voice of God going, I've got a call in your life. I knew where I belonged. I just couldn't get out of the mess that I was in. And um, I was very depressed. That went on for three years until I had near-death experience and snorting something that you thought was cocaine and something else and thought I was going to die. Literally, literally thought I'm dying. And that's when I began to pray that God would do whatever he had to do to get my attention. I need to be rescued. Everything began to change. And in November 79, I got rescued at 12.30 at night on the linoleum floor of my kitchen uh, right outside of Nashville. I went on the floor and just began to shake. And uh, I was crawled up like a baby, you know. And I was just weeping, I was weeping. And I wept and I wept and I cried and I cried. Just like, and I just began to cry out for God the God of the universe came and wept with me on that floor and I haven't been the same since. It all changed. I made up my mind that I would hold myself accountable. I would surround myself with great people. You know, one thing led to another. Eight months later, I got my first songwriting contract. I was getting paid 200 bucks a week to write songs. I thought I'd died and gone to heaven. And then all of a sudden, I found myself getting a record deal. And I'm in the studio 14 hours a day, and I'm writing songs. And, you know, all of a sudden, I'm opening up for Amy Grant, and I'm doing my own tours. And, and then all of a sudden, you find yourself filling arenas. Never could have orchestrated any of this. And so, been pretty remarkable. God's faithful. I know now what the real deal is, and I know now that selling millions of records doesn't bring me peace, and I know where my hope lies. It's not being a rock star. All that stuff dissipates, but it never lasts. It doesn't last. The greatest peace that I have is I know who I am. I'm a son of the high king of the universe. My identity crisis is solved. I am Michael W. Smith, and I am second. The old song says, it is no secret what God can do. What he's done for others, he'll do for you. What God did for Michael W. Smith, if you're caught up in an addiction, if you're caught up in a sin that you can't overcome, if you're caught up in, like Paul wrote about, doing things that you know you shouldn't, not doing things that you know you should, if you're caught up in all of that, the cross stands as hope. The cross stands as an opportunity to get past that. The cross stands as a place where we can come and die to ourselves and let Jesus Christ live through us. What God has done for others, he can do for you as well. Galatians 2.20 says, My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God 
who loved me and gave himself for me. Church, there's only one man that ever lived that was not an addict, and that was Jesus Christ. He was born free. He was born free from sin. He never sinned one time in his life. Not one time did he ever turn aside from the Father's will and do something else. His entire life was submitted to the will of his heavenly Father. And the good news is, the gospel is, that if you'll go to the cross... Spiritually speaking, if you will lay your life down and you'll die to yourself, then he'll come in. If you'll put your faith in him, repent of your sins, he'll come in and he'll live his life through you. The only man ever who, to live, who lived who was not an addict, God in the flesh, will live his life through you. I hate to say it, y'all, but I am convinced there are a lot of people who think they're Christian who are not Christian. I think there's a lot of people who think they have been saved who have never been saved. And the reason for that is that, that I will say that is because we don't see any evidence of Jesus living his life through them. They love the world. They love the things of the world. I'm not talking about somebody struggling. We all struggle. We all fall short. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about somebody who loves the world and does not want to let go of the world. They want to have God maybe as a little bit of fire insurance back there for when the end comes, but they don't want to let go of the world. They don't want to truly live for him. If you have really gone to the cross, and if you've really died to yourself, and if Jesus is truly living through you, then you want to please the Father. Because that's the Spirit of Christ. And if the Spirit of Christ is living in you, that's going to be what you want. It's not that you won't have struggles. It's not that you're not still in the flesh and still sometimes going to fall short. But you're going to desire the freedom that comes from knowing Jesus Christ and letting him live through you. Galatians 5.1 says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Jesus does not want you walking around stuck and addicted to something that's not good for you. He wants you to be able to live and love and run and, and, and enjoy this life in freedom, in true freedom, the true freedom of holiness that comes from knowing Jesus Christ. And so this morning I just want to tell you, if you're struggling with anything, an addiction to anything, Big, small, whatever, the cross can set you free. Especially the man that was on the cross can set you free. Jesus can get you past that. He can get you over anything because he overcame everything. And so, look, I hope that God's speaking to you because if it's just me that's spoken to you this morning, I didn't get the job done. I promise you that. But if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you this morning about something that you're struggling with, something that you want to overcome in your life, I hope he's talking to you and I hope you'll listen. What we're going to do, we're going to sing what I think is an amazing song to close things out this morning. An amazing song about the power of Christ to get us over the things that we're addicted to, to the sin that so easily besets us. And I'm going to ask if you need to, for you to come down and pray. And now if you come down and pray, it does not mean you're a drug addict does not mean you're an alcohol addict or a food addict. It does not mean you're a porn addict. It, 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 it doesn't mean that any of those things. It might be that you're just addicted to gossip. It might be that you're addicted to playing the victim. It might mean that you're, you're addicted to money, addicted to work. That's another thing that it could be. I, I don't know. There's a thousand different things it could be. But if you're struggling with anything, if there's anything that you want to get past, 
that you've not been able to get past, why don't you come and lay it at the feet of Jesus? Because here's the great thing about him. He's already taken it on himself. Whatever sin you're experiencing, he's already borne that. He's already paid the cost. If you'll just put it in his hands, he's already taken care of it. You just have to learn to live and walk in that freedom that he's already bought for you. So I'm going to ask that you stand this morning. And the worship team is going to sing this final song. And if you need to come and pray, look, by the way, if somebody comes and prays and you judge them for coming and praying, you missed the whole purpose of this sermon this morning. At least a whole, a whole portion of it. We all struggle with something. Jesus never struggled with a single thing because he was God. He can live through you. He can set you free. I invite you to come and pray this morning. There was light that found me in darkness, failing and hopeless, barely alive. And for the first time, I saw your perfection in my reflection there in your eyes. My feet are on the ground. My heart is beating now. Your love has shown me how to live. You're my recovery, changing who I was to who I'm meant to be, healing all that's broken as you wash me clean. Oh, you set me free. You're my recovery. Get honest with God this, this morning. Is the day that I'm starting over. Come lay it at his feet. I'm taking it slower, one step at a time. You don't have to carry the burden and by yourself. The way, but you're here to guide me. Your spirit's inside me. And it's changing my mind. Come confess it to the one who can do something my about it. My feet are on the ground. My heart is beating now. Your love has shown me how to live. You're my recovery. Changing who I was to who I'm meant to be. Healing all that's broken as you wash me clean. Oh, you set me free. You're my recovery. You're my recovery. Show me how to live. 
Church, the folks that have come forward, I notice one thing. These are some of our most faithful, most dedicated, most service-oriented folks that are in this place. And I'm very proud of them stepping forward. I don't know what's in their heart because, again, I'm not a priest. They don't have to confess to me. But they're saying, I want to go even further. I want to be even better. I want to run in even more freedom. And I'll be honest with you now. There's too many people in here for there to be this few up front. I'm just being real with you today. Because we all have struggles. We all have things that we need to overcome. So I'm going to have the worship team sing at least the chorus, at least part of the song. They'll work that out one more time. But... I know in my heart there's more folks that need to be here. Handing some stuff over to God. This is not a place of embarrassment or shame. This is a place of saying, I want to go further, higher, deeper with Jesus Christ. I want to leave some more stuff off. I want to have some weight that's left behind me of sin and problems and shame. And so I'm going to give you another chance. This will be the final one, but I'd like to give you one more chance. Won't you come and won't you pray? Won't you lay some things down this morning at his feet? He's already paid for it. He's already paid for it. Why don't you deliver it up to him and let him do his work? I'm going to invite you one more time to come. This is the day that I'm starting over. I'm taking it slowly. One step at a time And narrow the way But you're here to guide me Your spirit's inside me And it's changing my mind My feet are on the ground My heart is beating now And your love has shown me how to you're my recovery, changing who I was to who I'm meant to be, and healing all that's broken as you wash me clean. Oh, you set me free. You're my recovery. You're my recovery. My feet are on the ground and my heart 
Father, I give you thanks this morning for those who are humble in spirit and would say, there's a part of my life that I don't like. There's an action that is, or an attitude, or a thought that is part of my life, and I wish that it would not be there anymore. God, we thank you that the blood of Jesus covers everything. If we'll just put it under the blood. But Father, we thank you that it's not just a forensic declaration of justification, but God, what you impart to us, the salvation that you impute to us, you also impart it to our lives, God. You help us to live it and to, to walk it out. And so, God, I thank you for those who came this morning and said, I need more help from Jesus. I need more of Him. I need less of me and more of Him. Oh, to be like Thee, blessed Redeemer. Oh, to be like Thee, pure as Thou art. God, we want to be like You. We want to be like Jesus. So, God, I pray for those who have come and prayed. I pray You would just take whatever's in their hands that doesn't need to be there. God, I just pray You would take that away and help them walk in a new freedom. God, we want to have the spirit of Jesus. We want to be more and more like him as the days go by. Thank you for meeting here with us this morning, God. Thank you that you're speaking to us. Thank you that you're making us new. Lord, as we leave this place, help us to be the kind of witnesses you would have us to be in each and every facet of our lives. We're going to praise you at the end of the day. We're going to know it's your work done through us. In Jesus' name, we pray all of these things. And Rushwood said together, amen. I love you, and there's nothing you can do about it. I will see you in a couple of weeks. God bless you. Thank you for being here this morning.